Hey, what's up, guys? On this episode, we discuss the differences between a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA for fitness entrepreneurs and how you can help decide what's best for you. On this episode, we dive into how much you can put into an IRA when you are ineligible for a traditional IRA and you'll have to use something different. And lastly, the loopholes for high earners and how you can get around some of the rules that that you might be hearing from Wall Street. As always, if this episode has helped you in any way or brings you value, please do me a favor, share it with a friend. It would really help us grow the show. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. For those who are new to the show, there are two show formats. The first format is going to be like this episode. It's a solo where we go really deep into a specific topic in the areas of finance, tax, wealth management, investing, so that I can break down more of the, more of the questions that you may have and as much of the procedure as you can if you are someone out there that's either collecting a lot of information or if you are a person who likes to do things yourself. I want to do my best to give you all those details. The second type of show that we do is we bring on a guest and that's either a colleague of yours that's in the fitness space explaining what they're doing right, some of the mistakes they've made and you know what other advice they can they can share with us as well as experts that help support your community in a different way than myself like maybe they're an expert in sales and marketing or they're a lawyer or some some area of expertise that they can bring that that hopefully we can go deep as well, just in a different area that's not necessarily my area of expertise. So those are the two types of shows. Today is obviously, maybe not obviously, but it, today is a solo. And we're going to discuss the differences between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA so you can make a decision that's best for you and your business and your retirement goals. I've done some comparisons like with 401k plans and for and an IRA. This one, I get a lot of questions about it. So I want to sort of break it down and give you the, all the different ways that you can analyze what's best for you. And what's nice is as I'm recording this, which is September of 2022, the contribution deadlines are quite a ways out. It's April 15th of 2023 for 2022. So Typically, I feel like I've talked about these issues when it's like crunch time, specifically on my social media. I feel like I talk about, about it more when those deadlines are about to hit. So maybe you've either already contributed and you didn't maybe pick the one that you would have otherwise chosen if you had all the information, but this gives you plenty of runway to, to figure out what's best for you and your family and your goals. So let's dive right in. This will probably be a shorter episode because there's not a ton to go over here, but I want to hit all the important parts. So. The main difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA is the timing of the taxes. So for both of them, they are retirement accounts. So they're going to grow tax-free, meaning one, when the money's inside of a traditional IRA, 
or a Roth IRA, they're both going to have no taxes on an annualized basis as, as they're growing. So where the differences lie are when the money goes in and when the money comes out. So for those who may know that already, like I'm trying to go back all the way to the basics. So that might be obvious to some of you, but I want to try to, for those listening, that have maybe they've never even heard of one of them, for instance, this is going to give you all the information you need. So the difference lies when the money comes in and when the money comes out. So in a traditional IRA, you put the money in and it gets a tax deduction. So you've not paid a penny of taxes on the way in. Now, fast forward to retirement. When you pull money out of a traditional IRA, that's when all of it is taxed as you're pulling it out. So hypothetically, if you have a million dollars in there and you pull out a hundred grand, that hundred grand pays tax. And when you that other 900,000 stays in there, continues to not be taxed until it's pulled out. But every penny that pulls out of the traditional IRA will eventually face taxation. Conversely, in a Roth, you put that money in and you pay taxes right away. So there is no tax deduction to get the money in, but it grows tax-free, like I said, and when you pull the money out, there's no tax. So basically the premise here that you're looking at is, do you want to get a tax deduction now? And then you pay all the taxes later, or you pay the taxes now on the money you contribute, it grows tax-free, and then whatever you pull out in retirement is tax-free. So that's that's really, so going forward, I'm going to use terms like pre-tax and post-tax. So in... A traditional IRA, we call that pre-tax because it has not been taxed yet. And then Roth IRAs, you'll hear them called post-tax because the money got taxed and then it went in. So it's not taxed again. So that's if you hear those terms from financial people or accountants, hopefully that gives you some more context that pre-tax again is the traditional IRA because it has not been taxed yet. Post-tax Roth IRA because you are charged taxes on it when you put the money in. So when can you pull the money out? I'm not going to get into the penalties, but in general, like there are some exceptions to this, but in general, when you pull the money out is when it's age 59 and a half or above, then you can pull the money out without penalty. Because again, with both of these vehicles, if you try to pull the money out earlier while you're not in retirement age, which retirement age is defined as 59 and a half, then you're going to face a 10% penalty. Now that 10% penalty on the Roth side is on your gains. So again, since you already pay taxes, if you put in 10 grand and you pull out 10 grand, there's no penalty on that. If it's grown already to 15 K, you can only take out 10 before you hit penalties. In the, in the traditional IRA side, you're going to, again, there's some exceptions to when you can pull out, but and I'm not looking to get into those today because a lot of them are going to be sort of similar. So just think that on both of them, if you pull the money out early, you're going to be facing a 10% penalty. So that's going to be fairly similar. And again, obviously in the Roth world, there's your, your contributions are different, but I want to sort of leave that part of it aside for now. Cause that's a huge perk for the Roth side. Cause obviously you're pulling the money out, but as a financial advisor, financial planner, whatever term, you know, they're used sort of interchangeably, but as a financial planner, 
typically I try to help people be disciplined about it so that they're not looking at their Roth IRA as also their piggy bank that you can put the money in and then pull it out, which yes, that is a feature, but that's not recommended if you're trying to have this money for retirement. So that's sort of a, a little tangent that I wanted to just discuss that. Yes, there are some exceptions. This episode is not about the exceptions of those rules, but helping you decide which one to use. So how much can you put into it? If you into both of them, so again, these are all similarities now, so it makes it a little easier. You can put $6,000 per year into a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. And you can actually use both if you wanted to, but the max is six total. So if you decide to use three into one, and or I should make the numbers different, four into a traditional and a two into a Roth, you can do that. But the total is $6,000. If you're over age 50, you get an extra $1,000. They call it a catch-up. So you'll, you're up to 7,000 if you're over age 60. Or sorry, over age 50. Sorry about that. So now that you understand like what the contributions are, again, we said a few minutes ago, when you can contribute the money is up till up to your tax filing deadline. So it's April 15th of 2023 would be your 2022 contribution. You might've seen, not to confuse you, but like you'll, they purposely call it your tax filing deadline without extensions because during COVID when the date was moving, they also moved these deadlines too. But as a rule of thumb, it's April 15th. And now contributions to these, the traditional IRA, and a Roth IRA, they are not moved if you file a tax extension. Now, that's important because some of them you can. Well, the SEP IRA, you can, and it's one of them, but that's that's not applicable here. A traditional IRA and a Roth IRA, even if you file an extension on your taxes to October, they're still due in April. So keep that in mind if you're one of those people who likes to file an extension. And that's cool if you do, but I'm just letting you know these retirement contributions are still due regardless if you filed an extension. Okay, so now we know what they are. We're going to get into which one you should pick, but I'm going to lay out some scenarios and how they work because some people don't have a choice. They're, one or the other will not work for them, potentially, or at least I should say in the ord, quote-unquote ordinary sense because there's a loophole that I'll explain as well. But let me explain. So in a regular traditional IRA, there's no income limit to you to put your $6,000 in and get the tax deduction. There's no income limit to do that. However, if you have a retirement plan at work, and again, self-employed people, your own retirement plan, like it. most people listening are fitness coaches. So if you have a solo 401k, then this is would apply to you as well. It's not just an, someone else's company. But if you are participating in a, what they call like a qualified retirement plan, then they throw income limitations on you, meaning that you can't take the deduction and contribute to both. So here's that's what I'm going to break down now. And again, we're going to talk about the, how that becomes a planning issue. So if you're a single individual and you're participating in the 401k at your office, or your own 401k, if you have more than $78,000 worth of income, you're no longer allowed to take the tax deduction for a traditional IRA. 
I'm going to, I'm going to give a caveat or explain that. I'm going to, let me draw, dive into what it means for that was single. I'm going to give you married. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what you need to know about that. So for single, sorry for that pause. It was, but I wanted to think how to phrase that the married filing joint, same thing. If you're the married, if you're the spouse who's working and you're participating in your plan, now you have up to $129,000 before you're no longer able to take the tax deduction. Again, I want to emphasize that. I'll say it a few times. There's a difference between being allowed to contribute and allowed to take the tax deduction because you can contribute, but you will lose the ability to deduct it. If you're married, but you are the, the spouse that's not in the plan, meaning that you know, if your wife is working and she's contributing to her 401k, you are running your business and you have no retirement plan. Can you put yours in? Not yet. Not if there, the limit there is 214,000. So the three, again, I'll, I'll run through because I don't know if I said them in a less than simple way. If you're single, actively contributing to your 401k plan over $78,000, you'll lose the tax deduction for a traditional IRA. If you're married and you're the spouse in the 401k plan, it's 129,000. If you're married, but it's your spouse who's working and you're the entrepreneur who has no 401k plan, then you have up to 214,000 when you can take. So all those incomes below that, you can still take the tax deduction and put your money into a traditional IRA. Now, where it gets complicated is you can still put the money in but you just can't take the tax deduction. So there's a phase out range for each of those that I just named. And I purposely didn't bring them up because I don't want to throw more numbers at you. Just know that there's a, a range of $10,000, sometimes $20,000 below the number I gave you where your accountant could sit down with you and say, oh, you wanted to put 6,000 in. Well, only 4,000 was deductible, 2,000 wasn't. I personally hate commingling like that. And I would highly recommend you because it's on you to track it. And I, I know people who have done this before, like years ago at a major company where they'll, they'll let them do that. And because of their 401k and their, you know, fidelity, TD, whatever, if they were self-directing it and they were dropping it all in one account, it's on you to track it forever. So the, and if the, and if you lose your basis, meaning if you've been putting in, just to keep the numbers really simple, $5,000 of deductions and 1,000, I $3,000 of deductions and $3,000 of non-deductions each year, 50% of, as it keeps growing, you have to remember and track that 50% of your IRA, you're not, you have a basis on it. And that means like you don't pay taxes on the half that you put in and already pay taxes on. Where it gets complicated is because just that portion that you put in is not taxable. The growth is taxable at the end. So it gets very messy and I don't recommend people commingling that. And please, if you have something commingled, talk to your accountant, let them know and start now trying to back into where that basis is. Cause that's, it's only that problem is only going to get worse when you're 67 years old and now the money's coming out and it's like, who what the hell was this basis? Like maybe squared away now, do your best to pull that out, roll it over somewhere and start tracking it. It's so you'll really thank yourself decades from now. So 
in those instances, you end up with what's called, if, you, if you're above those income levels, you end up with a non-deductible IRA. Your accountant's going to know which form they need to do, the 8606, if you want to nerd out on some Googling or talking to your accountant or other tax nerds. So I'm going to get to the non-deductibles in a minute. I want to first get back to the Roth IRA because both traditional people, traditional IRA people and Roth IRA people are both going to look to this non-deductible thing as an option slash loophole. So just like we talked about with the traditional IRA people, if you're in a 401k plan, you're going to lose some eligibility. In the Roth world, same thing. Most people love the Roth IRA and it's pretty good. And maybe it's in the eyes, in the eyes of Congress, it's too good to be true in a way so they don't make it eligible for everybody. So if you make too much money, you can't put your money into a Roth IRA. Here's how that works. If you're single making more than $144,000, you can't contribute to a Roth. If you're married and you guys are making more than 214,000, you can't contribute to a Roth. So that's a bummer. But and just as a side note, when we say contribute, we're talking about putting that $6,000 in. This does not include conversions. You know, there's no income limit to do a conversion. So if you've been putting money away all these years since your traditional IRA and you've just started to hear about Roths, but your fitness business is killing it and you're like, oh man, I make way more than $214,000, you could still do a conversion. And that's sort of a separate topic that I didn't anticipate talking about today that just came to me, but you can always do the conversions. And quite frankly, as I'm recording this, the market's down today. Roth conversions can be a, a strategy to consider when, when the markets are down. So now that now we, we sort of merge into these two components where you have traditional IRA people who might be sitting there saying, well, I can't get a tax deduction. So now I'm going to put my money into a regular IRA. And then you're going to have your people who are Roth IRA. People say, well, I'm not eligible. So what do I do? There's the ability to use these non these non-deductible IRAs as a loophole for what is if you want to like Google a term or talk to your financial person or your tax person and ask them about the backdoor Roth. And I'm going to explain how that works. And I'm going to give you a, a major caveat that well, I'll say the caveat first. Don't do a backdoor Roth without talking to a financial expert or your tax advisor. Hopefully they're talking to each other because there's major things that you can screw up, but I'm going to get to that in a second. I just wanted to give you that upfront. So in case you just stop listening, cause you think this thing's cool. I got the disclaimer out first. Don't do it without talking to someone. Cause there's some major things that you need to know. The first, the first part of the process is this, you put your $6,000 into this non-deductible IRA. So, you Roth people that want to do a Roth, but you make too much money, this is what you're going to do. You traditional IRA people are like, well, I can't get a deduction, so I'm automatically in this camp. And potentially you might have blown past both income levels where you can't, this is your only choice. So you put your 6,000 into a traditional IRA, or sorry, take that back. You put your $6,000 into a non-deductible IRA. And the way those work or what we described before, where the money goes in without a tax deduction. But when it would come, if these non-deductible IRAs, 
the growth will eventually be taxed again. So that's where it gets ugly. When we talked about it a minute ago with the commingling and how that gets complicated because it's now sitting in this hybrid world where some of it's not taxed and some of it will eventually be again. So for you non-deductible IRA people, what you do is while the money is exactly what you put in, you don't invest it. You don't want it to grow while you're doing this rollover. You then convert it into a Roth IRA. And in that scenario, you put the money in a non-deductible IRA, which you were allowed to do at any income level. And then the same year, the next calendar year, whenever you want, usually you do it the same because you want to do it right away. You roll that into your Roth IRA because the same scenario took place in, in both. You put money in that's already been taxed and now it's in your Roth IRA. It can grow to a gazillion dollars. And when you pull it out in retirement, you don't pay taxes. And again, I want to, I want to make sure you guys are aware that this is a strategy that you one need to talk to a financial person before, because there's something called a pro rata rule. I'll talk about that in a second, but just know there's a pro rata rule that can screw this up for you big time. And two, this all needs to be documented by your accountant when you file your taxes. So this is another reason why as a business owner or just in general, I really, I'm not saying this because my company helps people with their taxes. You shouldn't, when you're getting into like trying to optimize your finances, an accountant is going to pay for themselves with little things like this because they're going to track it. Because if, if they're not putting these on your tax return and letting the IRS know what's going to happen if somehow in retirement years, they want to try to claim some of this money as being untaxed and you haven't documented how it moved through the process and how you pay taxes on 6K and then you rolled it properly and you're done and you don't owe any more taxes. So that's when you want to make sure that you, you I, I recommend that you, you work with a tax professional because they're going to document this. And more importantly, they're going to know how to do this loophole right. Now, I will say some accountants may not be as versed on this pro rata rule because that falls more in the camp of financial planning. It's more of an investment thing. I mean, accountants should know it. And when you talk to them specifically about it, they're going to know how to document it. But let me explain the pro rata rule. The basic, basically it says that when you're converting non-traditional IRA money, it's based on how you owe taxes on the percentage that you have of traditional IRA money. So this doesn't work as well for people who might have 100K in a traditional IRA. And this is the first year ever that you have, you make too much money. And so you're saying, all right, well, now I just want to do this. I can't do a Roth IRA, missed that one. Then I, so I'll just do this backdoor idea. If you've got money sitting in a traditional IRA, it's based on that percentage. So you would still owe money on the amount you convert that would be a total percentage. I'm not explaining that as clearly as I, I could, but just be aware that if you have traditional IRA money, this gets pulled into it. So the taxation is gonna be higher than you think than just on that 6K. So what you do to get around that, and this is why it's cool that we're business owners, is you take that traditional IRA that you have and you roll it into a 401, so like, go get a solo 401k for your business. You roll that 100k into from your traditional IRA into your 401k that you just created, your solo 401k. Now, 
when your accountant runs that same test and says, well, how much traditional IRA do you have? Zero. Okay. Now we can do this because 401ks are not included in that pro rata calculation. It's just the traditionals. So, and I believe the SEPs are as well. I need to double check that, but I believe the SEP IRAs also are part of that equation. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a really cool thing. A lot of people talk about the backdoor Roth IRA because it's an amazing way to get around these loopholes. Side note, it's still alive and well. The build back better that failed last year was about to close this loophole. So thank you. <laughs> was it Mansion that, that killed that deal? So thank you. That was awesome. We still have it in our toolbox, but just make sure you always worry about that pro rata rule if you're going to do this. So now we've discussed basically the, the traditional IRA versus the Roth IRA, and then how the third one becomes a tool for anyone making too much money, which is the non-deductible IRA that is the portal slash loophole for the backdoor Roth. You'll hear people talk about the backdoor Roth a lot because a lot of people do like it. And that's what they're talking about. It's a two-step process going from a non-deductible IRA into the Roth. But again, to harp on it, you got to get your, your accountant to document this for you because you want that record that you've done it all right. You already paid the taxes and you're done. So now if you're asking yourself, okay, I want to do the, like you might in your head already know, all right, I'm going to do the traditional IRA or the Roth IRA. Here's another similarity between the two. These, you can do these and it has no impact on maxing out your 401k, maxing out your SEP IRA in your business. These are just completely separate. So it's, you don't have to pick one or the other. If your business is killing it and you're trying to maximize all your retirement accounts, you can do both. You can max out your 401k. You can max out your IRA or your Roth IRA no impact. So that's a pretty cool feature in my opinion. Okay. So now let's talk about like, now that we have an idea of what they do, let's talk about a little bit more like, oh, I'll say pros and cons, but before I give my recommendation, how you should think about these and, and I'm, I lean towards, I think one that's better, but here's a couple more features that you need to be aware of. Once you get to retirement, the IRS wants their money eventually. Like they, they gave us this ability to put money away and they call it tax deferral for a reason because you're not getting out of taxes in a traditional 401k or in a regular 401k. You're not getting out of taxes. You're getting a deduction and then you pay later. So when you hit, right now it's age 72, the IRS hits you with what is called the RMD, Required Minimum Distribution, RMD. And so once you get to age 72, you are, you have a process of forced liquidation of your retirement assets, but not all of them, your pre-taxed ones and a Roth 401k. But that's, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about the, the 401ks today, but I just want to let you know that, that that's included in this, but in a traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA, your Roth IRA is never touched by the IRS. You can hold that till the day you die, never taking a penny out of it. And that's cool. It's totally up to you. On or differently, your traditional IRA, once you hit age 72, you will be forced to start liquidating. And that's based on a calculation of like age and whatnot. So that 
I believe it starts like three and a half percent and keeps going up each year of forced liquidation based on the value the previous year. So just be aware of that feature. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying, I mean, I don't like it, but there is a time in your retirement when these accounts will force income on you. You can't just hold it. And again, a nice feature of the Roth is it doesn't have to be distributed ever other than when you die. But I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. So how it works when you die, you have 10 years to liquidate these accounts. I mean, well, not you, your beneficiaries have 10 years and in a traditional, they're going to pay taxes. So if your kids make more money than you, the actual tax will be higher. Or if they live in a state like California and you're here in Nevada or you're in Florida and you're, you pass away and your kids are in New York or California, they're going to pay taxes on your IRA, traditional IRA in your Roth. There is no taxation. And both of those are going to have 10 years to liquidate. So depending on how they do it, timing wise, they could take a 10th of it each year. But in the Roth, what's cool is there's no taxes. They have 10 years to take it out, but there's no taxes. So even if they're getting a reasonable rate of return on their investment, you as their parent or whomever you're giving your, your inheritance to, in theory, they can double the money one more time in that 10 years because they're not required to take it. And so that's just a, a side note. Again, I, I'm a big fan overall of the Roth world if you can put the money in strategically because the goal is to get large rates of return with your money. So, you know, if you're someone who's doing crypto, you'd probably want that to go to the moon in the Roth, not in a traditional, because at the end of the day, you're paying on the money going in versus going out. And so that leads me to, to sort of how you could think about it side by side. Like, what do you want to do, Roth or traditional? Assuming everything stays the same, that the answer is they are the same. And here's what I mean. If you put the money in now at the same bracket that you pull it out, and let's just call it 25%, just to keep the, the math simple. If you're paying right now a 25% tax bracket, which there is no 25% tax bracket right now, but I'm just keeping it simple. And in 40 years when you pull the money out, you're at a 25% tax bracket. The math will be the same. Assuming the same, assuming the time horizon is the same, the rate of return is the same, it's going to be the same outcome. So that's a wash. It's what where the decision making comes in is where you think tax rates are going to go. So right now, on the high end on the federal side, you get hit with 37%. It wasn't that long ago in 1981, that same top bracket was 70%. So no one has a crystal ball, but if you feel you're in a, a favorable tax bracket now, then your, your opinion might be to not take the tax deduction and pay the taxes now because you're in a favorable tax bracket. Conversely, if you feel like you're in a really high tax bracket and for some reason in retirement, you're going to be in a low tax bracket, then you might want that tax deduction now. Now, I know like the challenge with that is like, that's what Wall Street loves to tell people, you know, when they're talking you into doing all the pre-tax things through them, they're like, well, you're going to make less money in retirement. That might be true in a lot of instances, but Wall Street and CNBC and all of those 
financial, <laughs> there's a colleague of mine calls it like the financial porn network or something like that. And it's just cause it's, it's, it's not very helpful advice for you listening because you're an entrepreneur. Like if you're out there building assets, building real estate portfolios, building businesses that maybe you never sell your fitness business, maybe you just are a passive owner. And so, yeah, you're quote unquote retired, but you're just working with the clients you love or you're, you're managing the business for 15 hours a week and your income is still relatively similar. You've just outsourced some of the, like the CEO role or whatever it is. You could still be in the top tax brackets in retirement. And quite frankly, that's all of our goals. Like no one's like, oh, that'd be cool if I could be poor in retirement just to save on taxes. So I just, I don't like that, that myth that's out there that you're going to be in the lower tax brackets in retirement. And quite frankly, you're more likely to be in lower tax brackets along the way. Because think about your business now, like depending on where, which cycle you're in, if you're about to go into a growth phase or if you're already in one, you, you can definitely resonate with this where you might've just hired a bunch of team members, maybe some senior coaches, and that's cost you a lot of money while, while you hire them and then maybe build the revenue underneath them. It's very conceivable that you have a year where maybe you went from making last year 300K and now you just staffed up and you're probably gonna make, I'm just using round numbers, 100K in profit. That's not because of anything other than you invested back in the business. And so now you're in a, you just drop tax brackets dramatically. It might be a no brainer to start filling up all the Roth buckets in that scenario because you just drop tax brackets and you're not in retirement. And then, you know, obviously if you hired the right people, the goal is to then they start to pay for themselves. And maybe the year after that, you're back to 400 K or 500 K and now you're back into the higher tax brackets. So I want you to think about the Roth versus the traditional all throughout the, the years, because there's times when your income is going to fluctuate. You know, here's a, a few examples when it might, when you, your overall net worth and income could fluctuate, you know, recession we're in, we're walking into one now, depending on who you ask, you're we're already in one. You might sell an asset at a loss at some point. Again, we already talked about, it. you could be staffing up your business and put all the profits toward that for a period of time or a tax year. So there's going to be times when you're going to have opportunities to not just put money in, but also consider like doing Roth conversions. Other times that, again, this is just my opinion. This is not advice for anybody that a Roth is a, is a no brainer. Is it when you get your kids involved with investing, if they have a job as a, as a kid or they're working for you and you're paying them out of the business, they're in a much lower tax bracket than you are. So them putting money in a, in a Roth is a complete no brainer because they're, they're putting their money in very low. And then, you know, depending on how you do it, whether you pay them directly, like their tax percentage might be zero going in. So for that to put it in as a Roth is a complete no brainer. So those, those are the things that you should think about. Again, to do a brief summary, you have the ability to put the money in pre-tax for both for the traditional IRA or you can put the money in post-tax and then you'll never pay tax again in the Roth. But the way you should look at it overall, and again, I'm not trying to dive into the 401ks and all the different other things as well, but realistically in retirement, you'll, you'll probably end up with more than one bucket. You'll probably end up with three. And those three buckets, we really talked about the two main ones. The pre, you're gonna have a pre-tax bucket, a post-tax bucket. So again, that traditional IRA, will be the same bucket as your traditional regular 401k. 
Then you're going to have your Roth IRA, which is a post-tax bucket. And again, if you listen to people like me, you'll probably also have a Roth 401k bucket. That's the same as your Roth IRA bucket in terms of taxation. It's post-tax. And then you're going to have what's what people call like the taxable bucket. That's like all, all your other assets, your cash bank accounts, your cash brokerage accounts, the accounts that they're going to pay taxes every year that you have a realized gain. Like if you buy or sell a stock, they're paying taxes every year. So most people are very familiar with those. But in retirement, because there's a, I don't want to go down this road too much, but there are, there are types of retirement plans that you could bring in on top of a 401k plan. If your company's absolutely killing it, like you're a high six figure or seven figure person, obviously and above as well, there are other types of retirement plans that people might bring in where you could put in six figures of pre-tax money. And those might be very valuable depending on what you're trying to do, where you live right now. Like again, maybe you're in New York or California and like about to make seven figures, your financial advisor and your accountant are going to sit down together and be like, yeah, some of these types of retirement plans need to come in and we're going to chop out hundred K or 200 K all pre-tax money. And again, if based on the, those current tax rates, that could be saving you 50, 60, 70 K a year in taxes. And then once that money's in there, now you have the opportunity with tax strategy to look at like, Oh, what, what's the strategic time to move it? But, but here's where I'm going with that original point. You're going to be in retirement with three buckets because again, a lot of this like is, is guesswork in terms of, we don't know where the tax rates are going to be. We don't know where your income is going to be. We don't know where your health is going to be. Like there's a lot of different factors because unfortunately, if you're in very poor health, that's going to be generating a lot of potentially tax deductible medical bills, stuff like that. But, but I'm saying these are a series of strategic guesses on where you're, you're going to be with income and with everything in retirement. But that's why I love the idea that you'll have three buckets to pick from. Again, there have to, to go back over it. It's your pre-tax bucket, your post-tax bucket, and then the the middle one, which is basically a taxable bucket that you're you're familiar with, like any you know real estate that's owned personally, things like that. So you can strategically pick where you need to pull the money from. Like if you're having a really good year in retirement, maybe you don't use your pre-tax bucket, and then maybe maybe unfortunately had something happen and you had you know, sold an asset at, at a loss in retirement for whatever reason that particular year, your income dropped. Okay, now we have our pre-tax bucket we can pull money from. And we have our post-tax money if we make too much and we don't want to increase our taxation anymore. So it gives us all these levers, all not just through retirement, but while you're working, that we can start shifting money around because your income is going to fluctuate. Obviously, we want it to be high every year, but sometimes there are good reasons why your income's not high, like we talked about. Like if you're getting ready to sell your business, maybe you're hiring managers and putting teams together so that the buyer that when you put this thing for sale, the buyer's like, wow, this is, this business is sexy. It's great. I'll get a, I'll pay a much higher multiple for this business because of the infrastructure. But you maybe you had to pay for that. You had to build it. Maybe it wasn't. So you might have very low profits that year as you get ready for a very profitable exit. And then obviously the, the year you exit, that's going to be a, a high taxation year. So these are just things to think about. Again, I wasn't planning to go deeper than just give you the pros and cons, but I don't want you to think of 
as linearly as Wall Street gives you, where it's like your income is high, so you do this. Your income is low, so you do this. Because it's it's a process every year, and this is one of the reasons I'm a big advocate on tax planning and working with people who are looking at this because the goal of tax planning, I say this, I feel like I say this every episode, but I, I hope it's helpful, is that the goal of tax planning is not trying to save taxes this year. The goal of tax planning is trying to save taxes over your lifetime. And that's quite frankly, one of the reasons that, well, that why I do what I do, because most accountants try to save you taxes this year. And I, I guess I don't blame them. They've got a lot going on. Like, but that's, that's not the way financial planners are taught to look at it because we're trying to look into the future. And that's the way most tax strategists look at it as well. Because again, you, anyone could get you a tax auction this year. Again, like talked about it last episode, like the tax credits, everyone now is looking to get like big, heavy vehicles and stuff like that and getting depreciation and things that are sexy. But do you want to take that full depreciation if you're not in a top tax bracket? Maybe not. You know, like maybe, maybe your business is doing 250K this year and you're on pace to do 500 next year. Your accountant might be like, hey, just so you know, you can fully depreciate this. And you'd be like, awesome, let's do it. Versus a tax strategist might come in and say, whoa, aren't you on pace? Like, isn't your business growing at 20% or 10% a month or whatever, whatever it is? Like, we might want to hold some of those deductions because next year you're going to get, you're going to blow past the current tax brackets. And so that's something that you should be considering that it's not just this year, you're looking out into the future so that you can pay less over time. So hopefully this has been really helpful, guys. I, I love talking about this stuff. So really, like I say this all the time, I don't have a big following on social media. So maybe it's easier for me to be like, hey, DM me questions. I don't, I don't get like thousands. But really, if you have questions about this or there's something in your specific circumstances that you want a little more clarity on, please DM me. Uh, it's at the Pat Darby on Instagram. It's where I'm most active. I have a TikTok, but I don't really know how to use TikTok too well, even though I like, I don't know how to share the stories. But so anyway, that's just a little about my tech stupidity. But I hope this is valuable. Please share it. Please DM me if you have questions. You guys have a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.